Yo, everybody, Trey here from the Ednium Podcast. Hope everyone out there is thriving. Uh, hope everyone got a chance to check out our last episode with Superintendent Dr. Alex Marrero. Um, really great episode. Really excited about the response we got. This week, we're shifting gears a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk about the power of story uh, with Melanie Asmar. Uh, she's the lead writer um, and writes on education for Chalkbeat Colorado. Uh, covers all of Denver and all the happenings in Denver. Um, and really cool just to kind of get her on the other side of, a, of an interview and kind of get a little bit of her perspective and um, and, and really kind of what it takes to, to get stories there and, and, and how powerful stories can be. I hope you all enjoy and uh, we'll see you on the flip side. Peace. We're live. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's been a you know whirlwind trying to trying to get this thing together, but you know we're here now. We're here now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Zoom world, you know. I've been trying to play between the in person versus versus Zoom, and I think we finally got this set up right. So we'll see how this works out. Yeah, coming to you live from my basement. Live from the basement. I'm in my <laughs> mom's basement right now. My dogs wouldn't let me record at my house. It's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> um so how are you doing how's how's the week how's it been in the new year yeah yeah it's it's been good um yeah we i i've got two little kids so we've got a lot of um back and forth with the school and the quarantines mm-hmm. um and but uh weirdly it's actually been kind of quiet these past two weeks everybody's been back at school so i'm gonna knock good. on some wood yeah do that. and hope that that <laughs> <laughs> stays that way yeah yeah it's the the tough part about this whole thing is just like the not knowing you know what i mean yeah and it was like yeah it sucked when we had a hundred percent remote but at least we knew what it was like we could plan for it you know what i'm saying and with the whole yeah. staffing shortages and everything's in schools it's just like they have to make tough calls you know um and we have to adjust yeah yeah totally understand as a parent when you get that phone call or that email yeah um Two days before. and at the same time kind of kind of dread it so yeah 100 yeah, 100 well tell the world who we're talking to um i'm excited for this for this conversation but want the world to know who you are what's your story what do you do yeah i'm melanie asmar i'm a reporter for chalkbeat colorado uh chalkbeat's a nonprofit news organization um we're kind of nationwide in, in certain cities across the country and here in colorado was one of our first bureaus uh, of Shockbeat, and I cover Denver Public Schools uh, for Shockbeat. Um, yeah, I'm sure your listeners know Colorado's largest school district, 90,000 students. Yep. And uh, yeah, I've been with Shockbeat six years now, so wow. a long time. Wow, it's crazy. It seems that's a long time, but like when I came into the game, you were already well established, and so it's it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny when you realize like, oh yeah, people have lives like before and after their professional journey or where they're wherever they're at right now. How did, how did you end up getting to Chalkbeat? What was that journey? Yeah, so I started, um, I'm not from Colorado. I'm from New Hampshire. Um, okay. And uh, after college, I took a job at my hometown newspaper. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I was just covering like a bunch of different towns around my hometown. Um, you know, everything I was covering, like um the town council and, you know, fires and, um, 
uh, zoning board meetings and like anything and everything. Um, I think my, the first story I ever wrote was about, um, somebody had like stolen, um, like a decorative, um, like doll from out like this, like (laughs) store on main street that had like this, like (laughs) sort of like well-known, like decorative, like doll that always sat outside the store. Somebody had stolen it. And that was my first big story. They assigned me. Oh man. Um, (laughs) I know. Right. Hard hitting journalism in small town. And so, um, yeah. And then after about, um, I don't know, I was there maybe like a year and a half, two years and, um, the education reporter got another job and they assigned me to cover education at, oh. um, and so I was covering my school district that I had attended, um, mm. uh, which, which tr- was funny sometimes because I was like at this point, 23 maybe. And, um, I remember the teachers were doing contract negotiations, union negotiations and they were like picketing, uh, you know, it's kind of, they weren't on strike, but they were like outside of the negotiations building, holding signs, like asking for a fair contract. And I was walking up and down the line interviewing teachers. And my first grade teacher (laughs) yelled for everybody to hear like, that's Melanie. She was one of my little duckies. (laughs) (laughs) And I was out there trying to like be all professional. And then your first grade teacher comes and <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> she's like, I knew you when you were five. Yo. Um, so yeah, so I, I covered education there and then I moved to Colorado and worked at Westward, the alternative weekly, okay. um, here in, in Denver for about six years and, um, made the jump to Chalkbeat. I've always really loved covering education. Mm. Um, you know, there's uh, like, it, it touches on all sorts of different, um, all sorts of different issues. There's, there's mm-hmm. policy stuff. Um, you know, there's politics, but there's also like real human, yeah. um, stories and, and like, you know, everything that's going on in a city impacts its schools Yeah. in Denver, like gentrification, yeah. um, the changing, you know, face of, 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 of the city. And, you know, what, what are the, what are these rising housing prices? How is that changing? Um, what's happening in our schools and who goes to our schools. And, um, and so I, like, I think it's, um, it's a really interesting beat. Unfortunately, like at some newspapers, um, traditionally, like it hasn't been seen as a very important beat and, um, you know, some, some newspapers, the attitude is like covering stuff that, that involves children isn't as important as like covering the governor or, Yeah. You know, um, that sort of thing. And, and, you know, um, I think that's the wrong view and, and it's partly why Chalkbeat exists because a lot of, uh, as the news industry shrinks and newspapers lay people off and a lot of times the education beat goes empty, Yeah, uh, it goes uncovered. And so Chalkbeat was partly created to try and fill that, um, gap and we're a mission driven organization which is different from anywhere else I've worked. So um, we we don't believe in like a side, if there are sides of public education, not mission-driven like that, but mission-driven, like, you know, we want to, we want to, our reporting, the point of it is to like improve education systems. Mm -hmm. And we want to point out what's not working, what is working with a special focus on um, schools and school districts that serve students from low-income families so here in Colorado, we cover DPS, we cover, um, you know, certain parts of Jeffco, we cover Adams 14, 
Aurora Public Schools. Um, we don't cover Douglas County. We don't cover Boulder Valley. Mm. Um, you know, because we want to be um, yeah. in districts serving that population. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Did you already? Did you always know you wanted to do do journalism, or is it? How did that come about? No, I mean, I I always liked writing, like writing little stories as a kid and that sort of thing, and um, I loved reading and writing, but. No, I, I got to college and um, my sophomore year, I just took a journalism class just because I, I think I was an English major and it was just like one of the classes you could take. And so yeah. I took it and I loved it. Yeah. Um, I'm uh, I'm like an extrovert. I love <laughs> <laughs> being around people and talking to people. The pandemic's been hard on us extroverts. Mm. Um, yeah, it has, and for real. So <laughs> I don't know if that's you too, but that's, that's definitely me. And so I, um, at first what drew me to it, I was like, I get to like talk to people all day and ask people questions and and find out answers to important things people are are wondering about. And, Mm um, yeah. And, and I think, um, you know, then I started working at the college newspaper and, um, Uh, my school, I just, I went to, um, the state school in in New Hampshire, the university of New Hampshire. It didn't have a big fancy journalism program. It was like a total of five classes or something, Mm -hmm. but they made us do an internship at a real newspaper. Mm. And that was really like, um, life-changing for me. Um, I really, um, really loved it. Yeah, no, that's awesome. It's it's crazy. One of the things we've been thinking about is just like, what does it mean to help people find their passions early? you know, and like yeah. try things early, fail early, like all those different things. And in a lot of ways, I feel like education in general, or I guess society in general, doesn't really allow for that oftentimes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we yeah. all feel like we have to have this thing figured out early. And um, like, shoot, I'm even finding a passion for this. Like, I'm like, yo, how <laughs> dope is it that I just get to go around, sit down, ask people about their stories and and, and put it out into the world and hear all the different uh I don't know, like like the aspects of who I am as a human being, right? Like people that I grew up with, people in different types of situations, and then people, you know, that I interact with professionally can all listen to this one thing and be like, oh, I didn't know that about that person. Like, that's the coolest, that's the coolest thing. <laughs> um, I, I think, I don't know. I hope this thing lasts, you know what I'm saying? But we're going we're yeah. to keep on moving. Um, so when, <laughs> when I asked you for this, for this interview, you were like, whoa. I'm usually the one doing the interviewing. <laughs> <laughs> How you feeling right now? You, you you feel comfortable? You feel good? And, and what tips you have for me? Yeah, right. You're a really good interviewer. I've been listening to your um, your episodes. I um, that. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely weird to be on on the other side of it. Um, you know, I um, I do a lot of like talking to high school classes. Like mm-hmm. even when I was, um, you know. Like 21, like when you're the education reporter at a paper and like a high school class is like, will a reporter come talk to our class? They're like, send the they education reporter. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so I kind of like told like, you know, versions of this story to groups of, of high school kids. Um, one recent time I walked into a room <laughs> right before the pandemic of high school kids and the teacher was like, we have a guest speaker. And one of the kids in the back went nap time. Damn. I was like, oh man, (laughs) this is going to be a tough crowd. I've definitely been there before. I've definitely been there before. But the kids, like younger kids, especially like to ask me if I've met anybody famous. Mm. 
Yep. They think like, yeah, that I'm like interviewing celebrities or whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, sometimes so. local celebrities shoot. Like, right, right. I, yeah. So in, in New Hampshire, I did, um, they have the presidential primary, like they're the first primary in the nation. And so mm-hmm. when I was a reporter in New Hampshire, um, I covered the 2008 presidential mm-hmm. primary, which was in 2000. Most of the campaigning was in 2007. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I met. Um, President Obama and Hillary mm. Clinton and Bill Clinton and um, you know so many like presidential candidates yeah. um, I've met, but I've never met like celebrities who are on TV. Yeah, like Lady Gaga <laughs> or some. You know, right? No, no, that's not the kind of journalism. <laughs> the I do. the <laughs> folks the, the kids want to hear about. You know, that's where right. the action is. Oh, um, right, right. So you you talked a little bit about. Uh, you know, I think it's a it's a it's a larger conversation in the country around like how journalism has changed. There's kind of like lack of trust in media, um, the lack of trust in news in general. The thing that I've always respected about Chalky is I've seen y'all. Um, I mean, there's always people that have their opinions, you know, but like trying to hold the line and, and, and cover a wide variety of the perspectives. How how have you seen media change? What do you think we have to do to like build it up? You know what I'm saying? And then the on the form of education side, you know, they might be wanting to cover governors, but like you're covering the people, the district that's going to impact a future governor. You feel what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, you know, what do you what do you feel we have to do? How is the how is the industry moving? And then like how should people as a consumer think about these things? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think like what I've seen in newsrooms that I've worked in is just like a shrinking. Um, mm-hmm you know, like the way journalism was, you know, previously funded, um, when it was like, you know, print Mm -hmm. newspapers, um, advertising that all that's kind of moved online. And, um, you know, like the, um, media outlets don't make, you know, can't make the same kind of money, um, from online advertising. And so it's, um, you know, I've just seen, um, lots of layout layoffs, people will leave and positions not get filled. Um, a lot of newspapers will offer people buyouts. Hmm. Um, so, you know, everywhere I've worked, um, like today, those newsrooms are much smaller than they were when I worked there at Chalkbeat. It's been the exact opposite. Like when I started at Chalkbeat, like I knew everybody who worked at Chalkbeat nationwide and now there's like a hundred people who work at Chalkbeat and oh. I don't know most of them because yeah. like, like it's just, it's, gotten too um, big. Yeah. it's crazy to work. Like it's crazy to work for a media organization that's growing. Yeah. And I think like, you know, we've seen a lot of um, like a lot of Chalkbeat type media organizations pop up like single issue, mm-hmm. you know, Chalkbeat is only education. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's news outlets that cover like only healthcare news or like only environmental stuff. Hmm. Um, and so you've seen that model pop up and it's paid for in a totally different way. We're funded by um, like foundations, mm-hmm. funders, um, readers, mm-hmm. although not to like the extent that like public radio is funded by readers and listeners, but like, um, and, you know, I think that there are, um, and then like, we also let anybody publish. So we're only online and we let anybody republish our stuff for free. All of mm-hmm. our, stories are free. Yeah. Our newsletter is free. Um, and so, you know, like 
news outlets all over Colorado um, pick up our stories. So my stories have run in the Denver Post or they've run in like these really like small, like rural, um, you know, especially the stuff we write about, like, um, like new education laws or bills at the state Capitol, like these small rural papers will pick up our stories and and run them. Um, And so you're seeing a lot more of like that model. Um, Which is really like, it's like an equity thing, right? I I was, (laughs) I was thinking about this when I was in college, actually, Uh, you know, at my school, they give you like a free uh, subscription to like the Denver post. I think it was, it was Mm -hmm. some newspaper article. And I would start to read these stories about like the different industry that was happening, you know, people that were, you know, companies that were moving in, the who's who and the, all, the, all those different things. And I was thinking about it. I'm like, damn, like, if you don't got money, you really don't have access to information in general. Mm, mm. You feel what I mean? And that's part of the reason why I think like the podcast world, the mm-hmm. YouTube world is kind of like really booming. And that comes with its drawbacks. But I, I remember thinking about that very distinctly. Like, I couldn't read certain things in class because I didn't have the $50 or whatever I needed to pay to, <laughs> to get the newspaper yeah. article. It's crazy. Right. <clears throat> and I don't think people think about, like, access to information and access to opinions as an equity issue. Um, but it really is. So it's dope that y'all are able to have, like, open access in that way. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's totally true. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And you see newspapers, like if there are major disasters, like I think, you know, the Boulder newspaper has a subscription. They have like a a paywall where Mm -hmm. you get, I think it's like five free articles, but then you have to pay. Um, And during the recent fire, like they took that down and they, they opened up that content to everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, And that happens like, you know, in the wake of like disasters, but normally there are those paywalls. Yeah. 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 Even scrolling through Twitter, man, it's, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So how, how do, how do you manage or like how, what's, what's your process of like allowing yourself to like walk down the line, right? Like Denver politics, especially Denver education politics gets real hot. Um, <laughs> you know, I was telling uh, superintendent Moreto on the last podcast that it's just like everyone's, it seems like people are always pulling. Everyone's going to have their side. And that was the thing that really disturbed me coming in um to like the educational policy world how do you how do you amplify the voices that aren't at the school board meetings every week um or every month you know what i mean um you know there's a very loud segment but by and large what Mm -hmm. we learned is most people ain't like looking like that you know what i'm saying so how how do you what is your process how do you how do you maintain that north star of 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 being uh i want to say neutral but like just kind of really telling the facts, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, um, you know, in terms of like, you know, there, there are people who are very vocal, um, and, and, you know, who are sort of, yeah, like on, on one side or the other. I mean, I think it really comes down to like finding, yeah, the people who, who aren't at the, um, you know, art and all the meetings, um, yeah. connecting through, um, community advocacy groups is, yeah. is a way I find a lot of, um, parents and students and teachers. Um, and just, you know, if you talk to one person saying, who else should I be talking to? Mm. Um, and, you know, kind of, kind of building out from there, I think, um, yeah, like community organizations, um, 
um, faith-based, faith-based groups, mm-hmm. um, youth advocacy groups, um, advocacy groups for, for families with children with disabilities, like yeah. those types of groups that maybe aren't like super in the weeds of education policy, but who, you know, um, whose members all have children in schools and who, um, you know, have experiences, um, with the schools. Um, yeah, I mean, like I I definitely get accused a lot of, of being on like one side or the other. And sometimes I'll get two emails in, in the same day, one (laughs) side saying like, (laughs) you're so pro union. The other side saying like, you're in the pocket of the charter schools and like, you know, and I kind of figure like, as long as I'm getting equal amounts of emails from both sides, Yo. like maybe I'm doing my job, <laughs> like, you know, I, it's, it's, um, you know, people, people are always gonna, you know, um, everybody has, you know, biases and lived experience. I do too. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's, um, you know, just kind of like being aware of that yeah. and, um, uh, you know, and, um, uh, yeah, I, I I think um, you know, like I don't view myself certainly as being on like one side or the other, but I think when people read my stories, depending on their view, sometimes they yeah. have that view of me. Yeah. And yeah. um I've noticed I've you noticed know, that yeah. a lot with um <laughs> a lot of the people that I respect the most kind of have a similar story that, you know, both sides are telling them they're on the other side. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like it's it's interesting to me when I when I see people's journeys, and that's part a big part of the reason why we want to do this podcast because like people's perspective is nuanced. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you only know what you know. Sometimes you don't even know what you don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, by and large, like I've noticed, a lot of people genuinely care, and they, and they wanna they wanna do well. But when we get caught up in the just like the day to day political drama of it all. It's exhausting. Mm-hmm. And like I, I genuinely feel like that's why most people just check out. Cause they're mm-hmm. like, ah, this mm-hmm. is kind of BS. Like they're <laughs> kind of playing their own game over here. We don't know what's <laughs> what's what's real and what's not. You know what I'm saying? And and that's why I was so excited to talk to you because you're somebody I've seen. I mean, and we should say, like, like you helped out a lot with, you know, in Chalky just in general, as we were trying to get financial literacy passed and then the cultural and ethnic studies passed. And you realize like how how powerful media, how powerful it is to get your story out there from a respected, respected space. So first of all, we appreciate you. We're working on it. Uh, the policy revisions in the policy handbook. Now we're doing the implementation that doesn't happen without y'all. Um, that should be coming in 2023. Um, everything. So that's, that's been a long grind, but how do, how could someone who's not engaged in politics, someone who's not engaged in like the day-to-day kind of craziness of it all, how can they think about like media and their voice as a means of like advocacy and building power and building, mm-hmm. you know, and getting their perspective out there? Like, how have you seen it work and how have you seen it not work? Like, what's the wrong way to do it? Like, what's the wrong way to like approach a reporter? Is that what I you're- guess so? Yeah. Or what's the wrong way to approach just trying to get your message out there? Like, what have you seen as being actually effective? Um, I hope that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, like, you know, um, like to use your example of, of financial literacy, like, you know, I think the first time I, I heard about it, you all had come to a school board meeting and you had a bunch of people 
a bunch of alumni give testimony about like their own lives um, yeah. and say like, you know, I, um, uh, you know, I'm a, a graduate of, um, you know, DPS. And, and when I got out, you know, I, I didn't, um, you know, I, I didn't understand like how to, um, how to get a mortgage or yeah. like how to, how to get, um, I bought a car uh, at 24% interest and thought I was buying. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and I think like having those, um, like having real people tell their stories, I think is, is the most effective way to bring about change and, um, and, you know, really makes for, um, like if, if you're reading a story uh, about, about policy, um, you know, it's, it's sometimes maybe not that interesting, but if you're mm-hmm. reading a story that had that a way to catch more people's attention, mm-hmm. um, is to tell, tell people's stories. And I think that, um, you know, that really inspires people to pay attention and, and, yeah. um, people in power who have some, you know, um, p- power to change things. Yeah. I, I think that that is you know, um, I think that's the most, um, effective and, and, and powerful way to get your story out there is, is to, um, to tell your story. And I realize that that takes like a lot of, of, of courage, um, for people yeah. to come forward and, and, um, and a lot of trust to, yeah. um, to put that out there. Uh, so I always really, uh, you know, so be respect authentic. and appreciate people who do. Yeah. yeah. Be authentic. Tell the story. I remember I was a, I was a college admission counselor and, uh, mm. for a while. And so that's why I said, I felt you when the kids say like, all right, nap time. Like we're just, <laughs> <laughs> we're just chilling. But so I ended up like switching my strategy around kind of just talking about my experience. Right. And, you know, a lot of people know my story. You know, I had my son in high school and we, we kind of, you know, had to, had to work our way through. Um, but what I realized is like, I ain't really going to change nobody's mind in that hour I have in front of them. You feel what I'm saying? Mm. Like they're going to, they're going to retain maybe like two or three little bits of information or statistics or, you know, data points that I throw at them. Um, and what they always would end up coming back to me and saying is like, yo, I'm from that neighborhood, you know, Mm. um, you know, I've had this experience. I've had that experience that I related to. Tell me more. And then that was the end to be like, all right, bro, let's, you know, let's look at all your other stuff. Let's get this thing together. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I feel like the argument <laughs> that we keep having in education is like, it's so far removed from people's stories often. It's it's so far yeah. removed from people's like real lived experience that we're so caught up in whatever the statistics or like the, the language in the policy, et cetera, which are important. Don't get me wrong. It's just not going to get most people to pay attention. Right. So like, you know, how do you, how do you straddle that line is a tough thing. Cause in other spaces, you're just not respected if you ain't throwing out statistics and, and all that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so like, that's what we're trying to do with Adnium is just like, how do we get people's real, honest, authentic stories out there? in a, in a real meaningful way. Um, how do you facilitate conversation, um, that doesn't allow for like the, I don't know, the powers to be this like false dichotomy that's been created in our system to come together and just recognize people as humans. <laughs> First, yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Um, and then I, I hope everything would flow from there, but who knows? I might be naive and, and too optimistic, but we'll see. You feel me? 
Yeah, um, no, I mean, behind all those statistics are real people, right? Yeah, and so yeah, yeah. trying to, you know, elevate their voices and tell their stories, I think is a really effective way to go about it. 100%, 100%. So I've always been interested in how like news outlets, and this doesn't have to just be chalky, how do they choose? I mean, obviously you, y'all want it to be compelling. You need people to read your stuff. But how how do these how does the industry in general choose what stories they're going to run with and what stories they won't? Yeah, that's um, that's a really good question, and I think it would the answer would be different for every news organization, mm-hmm. um, depending on like what they um, like what they value. I think um, like for me, it's like um you know, a balance of like keeping up with like the, the day-to-day, um, like what's happening in Denver public schools. Um, you know, uh, like the whole school district has to go remote because, uh, yeah. you know, COVID numbers are out of control. That's like a, you know, like a daily news that's happening right now. We need to cover it. Um, versus like sort of, you know, but also paying attention to like the long view hmm. and, um, you know, not so much just the, like what's happening right now, but like, you know, how, um, how did this policy that we passed two years ago, like, Mm. how is that like the black excellence resolution, for instance, like, you know, we, 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 uh, the school board passed that two years ago, almost now. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I covered when they, when they voted on it. Um, but you know, following up and like, um, a year later I went back and, and, you know, they required schools to um each school to write like a black excellence plan for yeah. how they were gonna improve education and and I went back and I um I asked for all those plans because I, I wanted to see like what were you know was this policy actually being lived in the in the district what yeah. were they f- following up with it um and you know I found like a, a wide variety like some some schools were really investing in it and and oh. others um you know their plans were pretty short and mm-hmm. um not a lot of detail and so you know like trying to figure out how these policies that school districts pass or these initiatives they undertake like how are they playing out in the classroom how are they really like impacting real students mm-hmm. and then on the flip side like are there issues um that that need policy to address them mm-hmm. like are there um you know, like I did a story about, um, an 11 year old boy who, who, by the time he was 11, had 30 interactions with armed police officers and armed security officers Mm -hmm. at school. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, you know, his family was saying like, we really need, you know, a policy change for like, you know, when schools can call the police and when they can't. Um, Mm -hmm. so, so, you know, yeah, it's a balance of like covering that day-to-day fast-moving news and then like taking a step back and looking at like you know some of these more systemic issues yeah. and telling the stories of people who are impacted by those yeah what kind of impact did that policy actually have you know mm-hmm. you know i wonder sometimes some of the stuff we do we get caught up and it's like you get a win and then it's like quotes air quotes win <laughs> and <laughs> you know what i mean like people people come yeah. to adding them and like yo like it's so dope like you know, these, these policy revisions are in the handbook, et cetera, et cetera. Y'all are awesome. I'm like, yeah, but like, it hasn't done anything yet. You know, mm-hmm. like we're still working to make sure that it's implemented well. Like we'll actually know whether or not this thing worked in like three to five years, 
you know, when kids start getting the instruction and we have some type of data to figure out, you know, how it's changing their perspective. And then we got to, we have to iterate. Like we can't just do stuff and then give ourselves a high five <laughs> and keep it pushing. Yeah. Like that don't work. You know what I mean? And which is part of the reason why I'm excited that y'all just exist is because we can go back and look. Um, we can go back and check. We just can't be afraid to hear things that we don't want to hear about the things we <laughs> <laughs> we claim to care about. You feel me? Like it's not about yeah. the political win. It's about whether or not this is helping kids. You feel mm-hmm. you feel what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. I should say shout out to West High School too. The the Black mm-hmm. Excellence Resolution you brought up was a big part of the reason why financial literacy we were able to push so hard because they took the Black Excellence Resolution, they talked to their families. Financial literacy was one of the main things that they heard as well. And then they started doing something about it. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and that allowed us to say, look, it's already happening. Like, it, it, it's possible. Um, so there's, there's no excuse. Like, how do, we, how, do we make this, how do we make this thing pop? And so y'all elevating that story and elevating West High School and the leaders over there, Mia and Derek Pike and, um, and Dan and all them. You know, those are the types of stories I hope we can start to tell more often of like people that took these things that they heard from the community and actually started doing it. Um, yeah. Because yeah. it happens before it gets to the board. You feel me? Yeah. I did another um, story like that one at um, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Early College mm-hmm. where they, um, you know, the district passed this resolution about the no justice, no peace resolution about. Yep. diversifying the curriculum yep. and DMLK said, we're not going to wait. We're going to start teaching black history now. So mm-hmm. I was able to sit in on a black history class, just like I sat in on a financial literacy class at West. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love doing stories like that because, you know, a lot of our audience is educators and they might read that story and, and see another school doing it mm-hmm. and be inspired to do it themselves or think like, Hey, this is possible to do. Yeah. Um, so I always try to keep that in mind, like, like, you know, who, who is, who is our audience? Um, yep. and like, you know, is there a way to kind of, you know, show the good things that are happening in action? Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. The no justice, no peace. The, the, the young women that uh, really led that effort. I, I think they just got like a major shout out. They did some, they won some type of award at the opening of the, I forget, le- legislative session. Is that correct? I think so. I saw it on Twitter last night. I yeah, think so. <laughs> they deserve that credit for real though. Yeah. They, yeah, for sure. They're they, amazing. Uh, yeah. A hundred percent. Amazing. What are some of the things like we talked about the black excellence resolution we had the financial literacy, cultural and ethnic studies, et cetera. Um, what are some of the things that you're hearing being talked about that aren't necessarily getting the spotlight right now? Um, what are some things that you're interested in that you hope to elevate and hope people start thinking about? Hmm. That's a good question. I mean, um, uh, yeah, I, I do a lot of reporting, um, about like students with disabilities and how mm-hmm. the district is serving them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a, um, a, a, a population that doesn't get talked about, mm-hmm. um, as often. And, um, uh, so I'm working on a story right now about like how, the pandemic has impacted students with getting evaluated for IEP plans, which give them mm-hmm. extra services in school. There's been a big like delay mm-hmm. because of the pandemic and, and kind of like, what is the effect of that? Um, you know, uh, I'm really interested to see like how some of these, um, 
you know, uh, I was really interested in like the reunification of West high school. Mm. I'm really interested in the reunification of Montbello high school. Um, that's another story I want to do, um, very soon. Like, how is that process coming along? Mm -hmm. Um, they're supposed to open in the fall. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, um, another thing that I'm, I'm hoping to take a look at is like how, um, declining enrollment in the district is impacting certain populations, including, um, students whose first language is not English Mm -hmm. and who are learning English as a second language in school. Um, I've heard some of those programs have been impacted by declining enrollment, like in Southwest Denver. Um, so yeah, those are some of the things that I'm, I'm planning to look at. On that last one, I'm excited. Um, so you might know we run a, uh, what we call our leadership launch pad, where we bring in, you know, 15 Mm. to 20 alumni we come together, we talk about telling your story is a big piece of it. (laughs) Um, learning a little bit about policy, but really just kind of getting exposed to different people, um, that are, that are trying to make a difference. And we had two folks, uh, shout out to Zoe and shout out to Melissa, uh, at the end of it, we do like a what we call our capstone project. And that's what all of our policy, all of our work kind of stems from, what we're hearing from these groups. And then we we iterate and try to make something happen with it. And we haven't really started on this, but it struck me because <laughs> there was like four or five different instances that came up that, that told me this was important. Number one, what we heard from, from the alumni was uh, especially kids who moved here from like another country, whether that be Mexico mm-hmm. or whatever they were kind of put into the ESL classes. And what they said was, Alonzo, his quote stuck out to me. He said, uh, it seemed like they were determining my intelligence based more off of how well I spoke English than they were Mm. about how well I learned, I knew the content. And so like, Mm. largely, like he was getting exposed to a lot of content earlier in Mexico (laughs) than, Mm. uh, than even in the US, you know what I mean? And so that struck me. And Melissa talked a lot about like the 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 culture side of school, you know, et cetera. And then uh I was at a shout out to Papa Ja uh in the African leadership group. Yeah. And I was at one of their events and, and Usman had invited me. And I was sitting there with a couple parents, <laughs> and this dude says sitting next to me, he was like, Yo, what's up with like school? And I'm like, What do you mean? <laughs> and he was like, you know, I forget what country he was from. Um so I hope he forgives me, but he he was saying like you know where I'm from like we learned all the math he's learning in tenth grade we learned in like eighth like wow we learned four or five different languages and now he's here and they're treating him like he don't know nothing you mm. know what I mean and so I'm really really interested in kind of how are we thinking about English as a second language students um, you know I think oftentimes we kind of just write folks off or somehow if we're low income we don't have like the skill sets or we don't have like what we need we need to be coddled and stuff and it's like nah actually some of us need to be accelerated a lot Mm -hmm. of those kids need to be accelerated so i'll be really interested in that some of the other things alumni are working on uh shout out to martin and 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 the whole crew that's working on mental health you know it's Mm -hmm. been a, a big conversation you know what we're hearing from them is like you know we hear all these mental health conversations a lot of them seem to be reactive as opposed to proactive um we hear conversations around counseling in schools. We don't necessarily feel safe with mm. counseling in schools and we don't see people reflected, you know, mm-hmm. um, that reflect us in our experience. Like people just don't understand, like, how do we build relationship? You feel me? Yeah. Um, you know, I could, I could run down the list. Kai Vong talking about, uh, 
<laughs> how do you expand the demographic information to get a real picture of who needs what services? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he he's part of the AAPI community and talking about like, you know, all you mark is like Asian, but like there's specific needs in the Vietnamese population versus, yeah. you know, X, X, Y, and Z. So there's a lot of cool stuff alumni are bringing up from like just like real experience that I don't hear oftentimes in like the nebulous. I promise you this isn't a pitch. It's just stuff you'll see us starting to work no, on. No, no, yeah. Um, It's exciting to know that we have multiple outlets to start to get these stories out. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And um, I'm excited that we've been had the opportunity to work with you a little bit on all this. So just know that we're here. You know, we're here. Tell those stories. Yeah, no, it's been great to to work with you all. And, you know, every time I talk to one of the alumni who's um, connected to your group, like, uh, you know, they're so, even though they've left EPS, they're so passionate about yeah. trying to make things better for, for the students who are in the system now. And it's, um, it's really inspiring and it's, it's, it's really, um, like it's, it's, it's so great. Like before you all came along, like I didn't often talk to young alumni, like there was no, or if I did, it was like sort of happenstance. Um, and so, um, you know, I think that was an important voice that was sort of missing. Yep. Yep. That makes me Um, happy to hear. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you'll be grinding and sometimes you're like, damn, like, you know, is this right? But you know, you would, you would see that. I just saw that there was a gap coming into mm-hmm. it, you know, I kind of got punched in the face if I'm being real with you with the politics <laughs> of, of public education. I didn't know what the hell I was getting myself into. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I knew I wanted to make a difference. Like my kids are in the district. My, you know, you know, we have cousins and family members and friends that are still students. Um, it'll make no sense for us just to accept the fact that they're dealing with the same things we dealt with. Like that seems stupid to me. Um, yeah. and so when you would go to these, uh, you would go to these events. The story I always tell is like, you know, I'm this guy that's always rolling around with my gold chain and my hat on and, and chilling. So when I was working on my previous job, like no one really, I was just part of the community. And so we would have different types of conversations at these tables. And then we would watch what was going on on stage. And it, was, it had to do with everything other than what people were saying they were experiencing in real life. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm. And so it's just like, all right, cool. Again, story. Um, yeah. Story matters. And and how do you how do you elevate those things? And uh, I don't know. We're gonna keep on grinding. Hopefully, we make something happen. Yeah, yeah. What what, what would you want to hear? What would you want to tell, particularly kids that are like coming from low income communities, about what it means to be a journalist and and why they should pursue a career or pursue a a life by which that's that's centered around telling people stories. What would you want young folks to know? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, um, like it's, it's a real, um, privilege to be able to like, you know, tell the stories of your community and elevate that community voice. And I think, you know, we, we need more diversity in journalism for sure. Mm. We need people who come from all sorts of communities to be at the table in that newsroom and be advocating for the stories that, are being overlooked, mm-hmm. um, you know, for the, for the people who aren't being talked to, whose opinions aren't being sought out. Mm-hmm. And so we need, um, yeah, like we need, you know, more people in this field and more people, um, 
you know, from all different backgrounds um, to come and make sure those voices are are reflected in like the public dialogue. Um, And certainly media, you know, now we have social media and we have all these other outlets too. uh, You know, it's not just like the one daily newspaper is like the voice of the community. Um, You know, but I, but I think it's still an important piece and we still need, um, you know, people to tell those stories. And I think like, you know, it's, it's really, um, uh, you know, like, um, uh, like when I was, um, 19, I, I took this summer job working for, um, I was like a job coach for adults with disabilities. And I just kind of like happened into this job and I, um, like it was my job to like take them to their job, which was like folding pizza boxes for like a couple cents a box. Mm-hmm. Or one time we were like cleaning out these like old textile mills. They were going to turn them into condos. And it was like, it was a really heartbreaking job because I had no training. I didn't know what I was doing. I was supposed to be helping these people who were like totally being given like a, uh, you know, just like not a fair shot. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, uh, you know, I would, I would go home from work and I would cry. And, and, and one time I talked to my boss about it and I, and he knew I was in school for journalism and he said, you know, well, when you're a journalist, you know, hopefully you can Mm -hmm. tell people stories and make a change. Um, and that was one experience like, like that, that kind of stuck with me. And that's, you know, always sort of motivated me. And so I think like, if you're a person who sees, you know, injustice or in the community sees something that needs to change, like journalism is one way, Mm. um, you know, you are then in a position to like tell those stories to a broader audience and, and get those issues out there. Yeah. No, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Some I always ask folks is, uh, how do you define success and how is, how has that definition changed? And, uh, along those lines, like, what do you wish you would have gotten in school that could have helped you achieve that definition of success? Mm. That's a good question. Um, I mean, I think like success for me is like knowing that I'm making a difference, I think, Mm. um, you know, that I'm helping Mm -hmm. people like that's always, you know, important to me. And part of why I, I, um, I do this job and, and, um, yeah, I mean, I think that to, to, um, like maybe like the confidence to know that I could do that. Mm. Um, I think that that came from like just doing it and, and sometimes failing at it and, and having to like, you know, grow that sort of like courage and determination to, to call things out that aren't working and, and, um, I don't really know how you teach that, but I feel like like that was something that I had to um, sort of learn the hard way. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily, you had that boss, right? That told you like, well, when you do ultimately <laughs> end up doing the thing you say you want to do, not a lot of people get that. 
like for yeah. real. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I feel you like there's a lot of expertise. People don't necessarily see, you know, how much they have to offer. Um, it's like, nah, you do. Like if you're living it every day, if you're living this struggle every day, you know, you have a really unique perspective and a voice that needs to be heard. Um, otherwise, like how do you expect people to really know? <laughs> mm-hmm. you know I mean? If we don't tell the story, like how do we how do we expect to make something happen? So that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. Anything you want to make sure, you know, given this platform and, and who listens, anything you want them to know about you or any any message you want to leave them with? Oh, man. I mean, um, I guess, like, please, like, reach out and let me know what's happening in your community, what you see happening around you in your schools, um, the good and, you know, the stuff that needs improving, um, you know, because uh, like, we really want to, want to, um, highlight both of those things. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, like, um, you know, we, we can't, I can't do my job or I wouldn't be doing my job well if I wasn't talking to all sorts of people in the community. So that's like a really key, um, a really key part of my job. And I just want people to know that, you know, anyone is always welcome to reach out anytime. Um, even if you want to tell me, you think I'm terrible. And what I write is like (laughs) (laughs) that I got it completely wrong. Like I'm always open to all sorts of, of feedback because it helps me. Love it. Love it. Yeah. How do, how do they get in touch with you? How do they find, you know, your writing? Where, where should people go? Yeah. So chalkbeat.org chalk, like a chalkboard and then beat B E A T. Um, so chalkbeat.org is the website and, um, uh, yeah, my, um, I'm at Melanie Asmar on Twitter or, um, M Asmar at chalkbeat.org is my email address. Um, yeah, please, please reach out. Um, we have a daily newsletter Monday through Friday. That's free. We have our stories in there and then we round up education news from other, um, media outlets from around the state. Um, so it's a really easy, like one-stop shop. If you're really interested in what's going on in education in Colorado, um, again, it's totally free to sign up. Um, yeah. In addition to covering DPS and those school districts, I mentioned, we also pay a lot of attention to higher education, um, to early childhood education and during the legislative session to, um, you know, what's going on at the state Capitol and what are the new education bills and laws that are coming, coming so if you, want way, to, so if you want to stay informed, y'all know where to go. Um, before we wrap up here, what's something that's giving you hope from an education standpoint? What's, what's, what's giving you hope right now? What's keeping you going? Oh, man. I mean, I think what gives me hope is whenever I talk to young people. Hmm. Like, I just come away from those conversations thinking, like, I'm just so blown away by... Um, by young people's, you know, um, insight into like what they're experiencing, um, their ideas for how to make things better, um, their hopes for the future, their determination. Like they, um, 
I love talking to young people. I feel like I definitely felt like there was a shift that happened like pretty early in my twenties where like they started to look at me like, Hey, old lady. (laughs) (laughs) And now I'm like very far into that. Like, um, but yeah, but so, you know, um, I don't like talking to young people because I think like, they think I'm cool. They definitely Mm. don't, but they, they, they inspire me. And I'm always, um, yeah, I'm always just like blown away by, um, by the things young people are doing. Yeah. And I feel you on that, uh, becoming less cool. I I was in school one day, (laughs) they hit me with a sir. I was like, man, (laughs) (laughs) but I guess that means that we're growing, right? That's, that's a positive thing. Um, Well, I really appreciate your time. Um, I'm excited that our audience gets to gets to hear from you, and, and when they read, they they get to know they know a little bit more about the person writing and and the why behind it. Um, and we're excited to keep on going. I'm sure you'll be hearing more about us, and and look forward to working together in the future. Yeah, thanks so much for this opportunity. It was good to talk to you. Likewise. All right, you have a good day. Good rest of your weekend. You too. Peace. All right, y'all, that was Melanie Asmar, uh, lead writer in Denver for education for Chalkbeat, uh, Colorado. Uh, all of the links to both her Twitter handle, uh, the website for Chalkbeat will be in the description below. Um, again, I highly encourage y'all to, to get yourself informed. Um, and as she said, you know, she wants to hear our stories. And this was one opportunity uh, to kind of plant some seeds. But I really hope folks start to reach out and get more engaged in what's going on not only in education, but just uh, what's going on in our city in general. Uh, We're going to keep on working. We're making some great progress on the things that alumni have elevated. And uh, the work will continue throughout the year. I'll see y'all next Wednesday. Peace.